Welcome to Geological Shop Talk. In this podcast, we bring you roughly 12 to 15 minutes of practical clinical methods, perspectives, and advice that has its work boots on. In the next few minutes, you'll get a clinical gem of practical material that you can begin to investigate the next time that you'll walk into clinic. Additionally, visit the show notes page for supporting materials from this week's guest on Shop Talk. All right, roll up your sleeves. Let's get to work. Hello, this is Jason Robertson coming to you from Seattle, Washington. And what a pleasure it is to have a few minutes here with you guys uh, on the Shop Talk segment of Geological to talk about palpating the head, to talk about locating certain points on the head, specifically dew points, dew 19 and dew 21, or what I'd like to talk about here eventually, how to locate these guys, how to think about palpated findings in this area, and some ideas about how to treat these points. And of course, I'm drawing, as I always do, from the extensive clinical experience of my teacher, Beijing professor Wang Juyi. And, and he and I worked on a textbook together, Applied Channel Theory in Chinese Medicine. And we've, you know, those of us who are his disciples and students have been teaching for years concepts of uh, using distal channel palpation, specifically below the elbows and knees, as a means of kind of helping shape your diagnosis, just like you would with tongue and pulse, and, and using channel palpation as a diagnostic tool. One thing that we maybe haven't had as much of a chance to talk about, and I, that's why I wanted to choose this subject today, was how Dr. Wong palpated the head and how he kind of analyzed a little bit palpated findings on the head and uh, how you might think about using head points a little bit creatively yourself in your clinic. One thing to say at the outset is, you know, Dr. Wong's approach to locating points was shaped by his understanding of this term you see in the Neijing, the, the, the character is jie in Chinese, which is sometimes translated to English as a joint, but it, it's also more like a separation or an opening, and, and, and jie are not just bony joints, in other words, there are separation and openings throughout the body. And so, you know, one of Dr. Wong's fundamental concepts about point location was that for locating any point, you're looking for some sort of unique anatomical jie, some sort of anatomical joint. That could be a, a joint within the skin. It could be a joint, of course, between bones, or it could even be joints within bones, little notches you can feel in bones, or maybe bifurcations of blood vessels that are a certain, like a, that would be, he called that a maijie, like a, a blood vessel joint. And there's all these different kind of anatomical and palpable aspects of the body near the official point locations that will help you refine and, and kind of get further into the best place to put the needle. Specifically on the head, what Dr. Wong would say when looking for these head points, you know, when you look at the maps of the head points from your acupuncture textbooks, they're you know, very logically laid out as this many tunes separated from that point and this many tunes from the other. But any of you put your hands on people's heads, and I'm sure many of you have in your clinical work, you've noticed that heads are shaped differently. You know, there's different muscle structure of the heads, the way the bones come together, uh, the way the cranial sutures feel on different people's heads are different. And so taking this idea of always looking for the anatomical space when locating points uh, onto the head, um, certainly when you're thinking about the lateral head points, maybe the gallbladder and sanjiao channel on the sides of the heads, then what you're often feeling for is little divots almost between muscle attachments. Those are kind of little, what he would call 
um, you know, like rogia, spaces between the attachments of the flesh you can feel. So the head points kind of float a bit. And so you use those point location maps we see in the textbooks as a starting place. And then you put your hands on the patient and look for the the kind of the palpable separations that you can feel at the points. And they're often, yes, they're tender. Uh, so they feel different to you and the patient. But getting to the dew vessel, and these are the, the, the two points I really want to talk about in particular, as I said earlier, do uh, 19, Ho Ding, and do 21, Chan Ding. Those are the points that are essentially on either side of the more famous, probably do 20. I'm sure many of you have, have located and talked about and used in your own clinical work. Dr. Wong loved do 19 and do 21. So first, let's talk just a moment about you know, how he, you know, his, his strategy for locating these points. And then of course we know that officially you have do 20, which is thought of as being five to an, you know, posterior to the anterior headline hairline or seven up from the posterior hairline. And of course, many people don't have hair and hair is different. So that's problematic. And often we locate do 20 instead by going from the a line drawn from the earlobe to the apex of the ear and going to the top of the head. Maybe as you're listening, find do 20 on yourself. It's that kind of top of the head vertex point that 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 many of us know and use and love, of course. Um, and then in front of that, officially one and a half to an in front, you have do 21, chanding, and, and uh, one and a half to an behind that, you have do 19. So how did Dr. Wong find these points? And how did he think about using these points? So first about finding... When he would describe the location of do 19, he would talk about first finding the external occipital protuberance, that bump on the back of your head on those occipital bones that where they come together, there's that, that protuberance. And then going uh, you know, directly below that, we know that's do 16. And officially then do, do 17, 18, and 19 are divided into quarters on the way to do 20. So then you would say that do 17 is one quarter of the way up between 16 and 20. You know, do 18 is, is you know, halfway between do 16 and do 20. And then do 19 is, you know, is three quarters of the way between do 16 and do 20. And that's one way to locate those. And what Dr. Wong found, and you can see me alluding to this as I'm talking about it earlier, is that people's heads are different. So you got to find different ways to find these points. And so he would say that first find that protuberance and then palpate upward, you know, and you're, of course, you're going along the suture there between the two occipital bones and you're palpating up in this area and you'll feel a little divot, roughly a one to an up, that first divot or notch you find, that's due 17. And then as you palpate further up, you'll feel another divot in those occipital, uh, the, the, you know, the intersection of the occipital bones and that would be due 18. And then do 19 is a really fascinating and actually pretty precisely located point because it's an intersection of two sutures. So at the if you you know take a look at an anatomy book, you see the the occipital bones there on the back of the head, the parietal bones on the side, and intersecting the occipital and parietal bones, you have this lambdoid suture, which comes up from the mastoid process. You can kind of trace that up like a little triangle, and it intersects with the sagittal sutures that are between the two parietal bones. That interesting anatomical intersection uh, between the lambdoid and sagittal sutures, that is where do 19 is located. So it's this really interesting cranial suture location. And there is very often interesting palpable change in this point do 19. So Dr. Wong told a story about 
how he started using Do19 in the treatment of a, of a difficult stroke patient who's having a pain in their foot. And he you know, was having trouble, didn't know what to do and started palpating around on the head and, and found at Do19 an extreme tenderness. And when he pressed this point, it, it immediately relieved the foot pain. And he, he became, you know, this was probably in the 1970s and 80s, and he became very interested in this point. And over time, he found that not only can this point, you know, the classics describe Do19 as often being used for neck pain and dizziness, but what he particularly liked to, to use Do19 for was for issues along the dew vessel and the, we'd say the collaterals, the law of the dew vessel, which we often think of as the Jiaji line uh, or the Taiyang channel, the bladder channel in the back, and sometimes the Xiaoyin channel affecting back pain. So this is actually a really interesting point that he would often use for low back pain patients. And often what you'd find is a palpable tenderness at this point, in this intersection point. And when he would find that, he would use a one and a half twin needle, maybe inserting a little bit superior to the location of Do19 and threading that needle subcutaneously into this area. And he had a technique that he called a rubbing technique. He likened it to like rubbing uh, like a piece of uh, fur on a glass rod to create static electricity. So once the needle was inserted, he would press down and, and do a rubbing technique while having the patient sit erectly, having the patient kind of cough, which is often nerve wracking for someone with an acute back sprain, and then having them move while stimulating this point. And it's really interesting how you can often get an immediate change with this fairly strong stimulation of this technique while mobilizing the patient's back. So we'd often treat it in a seated position. There's a little more detail to that technique, which is, of course, difficult to fully describe here in a few minutes on a podcast. But start palpating this area on patients with issues with their lumbar vertebra, maybe the paraspinal muscles that affect the dew vessel and the Taiyang channel in the back. When they're out of place... Try stimulating this point, locating it in the way I'm describing in these sutures and having them move around and see if you can, uh, you know, while stimulating the point, get some relief in that pain. It's often very useful for the type of patient who comes into the clinic and is, you know, you can't even get them on the table because their back is so is so out of place. And again, especially when it's affecting the Taiyang and the dew vessels, not as much the Xiaoyang gallbladder channel type of sciatica pain. This is more of a medial pain, maybe going down the back of the legs or acute pain in the back itself, or maybe in the neck as well. Any of these aligning ligaments and muscles along the back can be treated and thought of uh, uh, using Do19. Now, for the next couple of minutes, let's kind of keep moving forward. As you go forward from Do20, uh, a one and a half tone in front of that is another really fascinating point, Do21, Chanding. This point has another totally different kind of personality. And this point often, if you palpate this on people, it can be very tender and almost squishy feeling. Like there's a little bit of microedema uh, in the fluids there between the skin, you know, the the scalp and the and, and the bones of the head. This point is, of course, also within that sagittal suture, not all the way in front and the coronal suture way up in front of that. That's do twenty two Xin Hui. It's kind of between that uh, and do twenty um, do twenty, of course, and right in that midpoint between that coronal suture and do twenty, you'll find, and it's kind of a little bit of a floater of a point. You'll find this this tender spot do twenty one. And this point has an interesting personality in that it often reflects a lack of clear yang coming to the head. Dr. Wong talked about qing yang, clear yang coming to the head. 
And this could be a patient maybe with kind of a fuzzy thinking, almost like water in the head. Maybe even certain patients who have like a lingering sinus infection where there's like a clear discharge, not 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 a green discharge. So it's like a, a lack of yang transforming fluids in the head. If you can imagine all the symptoms, maybe dizziness that come from this lack of clarity of yang. And he would describe that type of yang often as coming from a warmth in the middle burner. So a lot of time, maybe these patients have like a spleen deficient personality. You may palpate their abdomen and it's a little cold around REN12. And yet they have this lack of clear yang coming to the head, kind of a dizziness, a fuzziness of thinking, uh, fluid accumulations in the head or sinuses. And DO21 can be very tender. So this point, you might even... Uh, I would often use DO21 first diagnostically to think about the lack of clear yang, and then you need to do a differential diagnosis to think about why clear yang isn't coming to the head. Maybe it's a like a, a deficiency of this of the tie-in system not sending fluids up. Of course, that could be a kidney deficiency, maybe. Uh, maybe on the other hand, there's like an excess below that is not allowing yang to come up. So the the mechanisms of why DO21 is tender can vary, and that's where you need to you know, palpate other channels, use tongue, use pulse and questions and use other differential diagnosis. But this point gives you a way of thinking that we need to facilitate a raising of clear yang in this patient. Um, maybe in some cases you might do moxibustion at REN12 to, to warm the middle burner so it percolates fluids up. Maybe in some cases you might need to descend like stasis and yang ming by using points like stomach 37 and stomach 39 together to descend that turbidity so that yang rises back up. Maybe it is a kidney deficient patient and you maybe would be using moxit at REN6 or, or at DO4 or, or tonifying yang herb formulas or something. Um, you have to be a little bit creative about interpreting this, but it, you will certainly find it is interestingly reflective through palpation of some sort of, uh, it, it's often a squishiness you'll feel in this case when there's a lack of clear yang coming upwards. So that's just two points, do 19, do 21. The, the big idea, as I started to say at the beginning here, is when you're looking for points on the head, use those twin measurements that we learn in acupuncture school as a starting place, but then put your hands on the patient and feel on this patient the anatomical structures and look uh, for the palpable jia, the palpable openings, the palpable spaces between muscles or within bones or between bones and find the points creatively a little bit and needle them often subcutaneously and, and, you know, go deeper into head points. There's a lot to say here about using them diagnostically and in treatment. So that that's the main thing I wanted to say. For anyone who's interested in learning more about applied channel theory, the other apprentices and I, Dr. Wang Jui, we have a, a, a podcast of our own called Dialogues in Applied Channel Theory. And that podcast, we've been doing it for a couple of years. We kind of are intermittent when we put them up, but there's a uh, there's a bunch of episodes there where we're discussing a variety of uh, cases and a variety of concepts related to Dr. Wang Juyi's work. You can find that on any anywhere you get your podcast. And also, if anyone is hearing this right now in September of 2023, uh, I have an upcoming course I'm going to be teaching in Chicago. It'll be an introductory course on channel palpation. We have NCCAOM um, uh, credits for that. And if you're interested in attending that course, it's going to be coming up here in September 16th and 17th, 2023 in Chicago. Uh, just type in your web browser, uh, Applied Channel Theory in the and Eventbrite. You can find it in Eventbrite and you'll see the sign up information there. 
Uh, I hope to see a few of you in Chicago or somewhere else. Uh, we also have a website, of course, channelpalpation.org, where you'll see other courses and a bunch of free downloadable material under the media tab, channelpalpation.org. And thank you to Geological, as usual, for providing so many interesting discussions that all of us around the world are enjoying. Donate to Geological, become a supporter. I am, and uh, this is just a great resource for all of us. All right, thank you very much. Put your hands on the head. Bye.